Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. Welcome back to Daybreak Devotions. Pastor Mike Barnett doing the uh, overture or whatever that was I was doing, the voiceover. There you go. It's the yeah. voiceover. The overture was William Tell's job. Yes, that Lone Ranger. But uh, if, if you're picking up on all that crackling sound in our rooster and our good Some Golden Daybreak, uh, we're just going to go ahead and say it. We're still having some technical difficulties in our equipment, and we're just going to own that. We're just going to own it, share it with you, our listeners, because, hey, you know, you're friends. And the solution's on the way. We're working on it. But anyway, uh, we're glad you're back with us. It is Wednesday, which is wonderful. And, uh, you know, we don't have a Wednesday Word of the Week. I tell you, our fans are just they're, they're waiting on me to get back on, on the wagon. People don't know what to expect anymore. No, nah, but we have been diligently working our way through this uh, chapter of Second Peter, and uh, it's just taking all the focus, but that's okay. It's Wednesday. That means we're a, a day away from beginning our Way of Holiness conference here at McLeansville Baptist Church. We're so excited about that. We have 20, 25 or so of our people that are participating in that this year. Again, plugging it, not because this is something that we're selling or, you know, getting promoting, uh, yeah, promoting yeah. outside. It's just, it's within our church, but uh, we do want to plug it because it is so important when we can come together as, as people of a church and learn what it really means to walk in the way of Jesus. So when I say the way of holiness, just think about the way of Jesus. How did Jesus live his life? And that's what we want to learn. Now, we're not living in, you know, the first century or, or whatever, A.D. or, yeah, I guess it would have been the first, first century. century. yeah. We're not living then, but yet the things that Jesus did, the way that he lived his life in terms of prayer and uh, synagogue and scriptures and community and all those things are still available to us and are our access into a deeper life with God. And I will say this. Now, I want to I wanna make this point in tomorrow night's opening with our, our folks, but I will say this. I think very few of us in our faith tradition ever heard much about things like spiritual discipline or spiritual formation when we were coming up. No, I think anything that we did here kind of carried a negative connotation because we immediately attributed spiritual disciplines to things that we were doing to merit God's favor or, you know, like that's what you do if you're trying to earn your salvation. Uh, I think uh, like penance and those Mm -hmm. type of things were kind of equipped with... To our Catholic listeners, you know, folks threw it off as being a Catholic thing, right? And or associated it with the monks in the monastery. Well, that's not, that's not incorrect. They practice spiritual disciplines. But what we did was we just looked at the basics you know, we had it always emphasized, read your Bible, pray, and, and, and be in church. Well, those are actually spiritual disciplines, but when they're not taught and explained and, and opened up as a, a daily practice and the reasons why they matter and how, how they integrate is a big piece of it. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking about this this morning, how, how prayer and Bible reading have to integrate for it to really be meaningful. I mean, coming to church just to say I was there is not as impactful as coming to church and engaging in fellowship, like real fellowship, fellowship right. in, in the life of Jesus. Or when the preacher's preaching, to actually be there with my Bible open, not just listening until he gets done, 
but engaging with what he's saying from my heart in a spirit of prayer and then walking away from that in the practice of meditation. Yeah. When we learn to do those things, all of a sudden our spiritual life is coming alive and it's deepening and the life of Jesus is becoming more real to us than it was before. And, and Because we not only know, hey, do this, but why we're doing it and we get to see results. Yeah, it's active listening. And, and that's what you were saying before we came on the broadcast earlier. This is really where we're going with the closeout of this teaching in First Peter or Second Peter one today, because to add to our faith, there have to be those types of practices in our life. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we kind of get stuck at the well. I've got faith level. Right. I believe level. And so we're going to get to all that today because this is really the conclusion of the whole matter. So let me read these verses, uh, verse number eight, and I'm actually going to go and read through verse number eleven. Peter says, referring to all this we've been studying, after you've added to your faith all of these things, he says, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That'll be my key verse that I want to highlight today. But reading on, he says, But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I want to talk about those verses in a moment, and I want to, I want to give you three words that I think summarize uh, what Peter is offering us there. But before we do that, there's a question that came into my mind that I think is worth answering, because we have spent now, we think, what is this, eight, seven, eight, nine broadcast on these yeah, verses. somewhere around there. So somebody might be thinking the same thing. Why give so much time to this? And I look at Peter writing about this, and I say, why is Peter so emphatic about what he's saying here in this opening? Because this is a strong start to his letter. I mean, this is powerful. And he's pressing it. He is, he is pressing it, and he's promising to continue pressing it. And that, you see, in verse 13... He says, yeah, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle, this, this old body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in your remembrance. And so he says, I am pressing this, and I'm going to continue to press this as long as I can. And so why? Why is it so important to Peter? Now, I have three reasons that I think come out of those verses I just read, verse 13 through 15, that I think you know, are, are very valid. And to us who are ministers, whether you are a pastor, a missionary, a Sunday school teacher, a parent who's trying to raise their child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, a, a deacon, a usher, whoever, but you're ministering to people by your sharing of your faith and sharing of your the divine nature that's been imparted to you, these apply to us. Okay, so number one, Peter's emphatic and he's pressing this because he knows that this is real legacy. In other words, he knows that what he, the best thing he can leave behind after he's gone is helping others find this true life in Jesus, helping them get something beyond the normal baseline. He wants to see a people that, ha that are more than just hey, we're so-and-so Baptist or so-and-so Methodist, we go to church at such-and-such such thing, and that's really all they've got? Like, they know their sins are forgiven, and they know they're going to heaven. But other than that, they're just kind of here. 
Hmm. And Peter says, I don't want that for you. That is n- that's not why I, I've been working in this ministry. That's not why I've been preaching and teaching. And it takes us back to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. You know, this is an exciting verse. It's hard to read this verse and not read it the way I'm about to. Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. Now, how many people sit in church on a regular Sunday morning and you would think by watching them and listening to them that they have a lively hope? We Not don't, many. You, you, you can plead <laughs> the fifth. You can plead the fifth. But that's what I think Peter's, like his heart beats for that. Folks, this is what we have received in Christ. And and I want you to have this. And the legacy I want to leave behind is, is to give you something that will help you in moving into this true life that Jesus is offering. Yeah, not a a superficial or, or artificial joy. Like, you know, I've seen a lot of people that are excited in church and that, oh, I've got a lively hope. But it's a very shallow, showy type excitement. And then you've seen some people that they're not they're not bouncing off the walls or swinging from the chandeliers, but when you get around them, they are just radiating this mm-hmm. joy and hope. And and so it's not really the outward portrayal of quote-unquote excitement that we're looking for, and that's not what Peter was stirring up. He was stirring up something genuine, something that is going to move you to effective action and continual joy in spite of all of the persecutions and tribulations like he talks about at the end of, first, of, of his first letter. This, this is going to happen if you're on this path, but you can enjoy this, and it's going to matter and leave this lasting impact long after you're dead and gone. That's something to be excited about, because how many people in the world are going through scrambling for any kind of relevance in life, wanting to leave a lasting impact, and they're going to die and be forgotten? And what he is describing to us is this is how... After you're long dead and forgotten, and nobody knows your name anymore, this is how you for your life to continue to make an impact throughout eternity. Yeah, we have learned to equate rejoicing with what we see in the stadiums and the coliseums. And we hear that exact analogy preached from the pulpits a lot of times. Yes, yeah. but I tell you, you 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 really have an experience of rejoicing in the Lord. A lot of times, it's the exact opposite of that. I mean, it is a stirring that just. I mean, really, just about wants to flatten you, not cause yep. you to, you know, shout and, you know, you know, scream, rah, rah, yeah. hoot and holler. But anyway, to each his own, as his personality displays his love of God. But the second thing I think, or the second reason Peter's pressing this, is he also knows how easy it is to forget what we know, and that's why he's saying, "I'm going to put this in remembrance." And even though you know it, I'm going to keep putting it in remembrance. It's it's difficult living in a world that's filled with distractions and allurements and enticements, and we are living in that more than ever. And I I won't read all this for sake of time, but I would just reference the listener to chapter 3 of this letter and verse 10 through 15 because that's where Peter says, in a nutshell, he says, you know, considering that this old world and everything in it is going to be burned up and dissolved, what kind of life should we be living in all holiness and godliness looking for the coming of Christ? That should be what motivates us. We should be willing to let go of any and everything that would get in the way of that kind of a heart for God. And so Peter's really, he's saying, I I know, I've got to remind you because even when we love God with all our heart, man, there's the next thing that pops up on the radar that gets our attention and we start thinking about wanting that. And so all of a sudden our heart begins to drift. 
I'm just going to keep on reminding. So again, ministers, we have to just keep putting it out there because if you think about the day and age we're living in, man, we've really got to combat that. Mm-hmm. We are we have a lot of opposing forces out there trying to get the hearts and minds and attentions of the people in the churches. Yeah, our focus is so critical. I find myself having this conversation, especially with my oldest son, quite often. I'll try to give him instructions, and I, I can see his, his eyes are all over the place. And I know if he's not looking at me straight in the eyes, he's going to leave this conversation and forget. Like a goldfish. Yep, forget everything <laughs> we just talked about. And so I'm constantly like, hey, look at me. Pay attention, pay attention. And then it's not five minutes later. I've told him, hey, go pick up your cars in your bedroom. And it's within, like, seconds. I'm walking in, and he's not like, hey, buddy, what, what are you doing? What did I tell you to do? Oh, I, I forgot. And we'll have this conversation multiple different times. And it is easy for me to get frustrated because I'm like, I shouldn't have to tell you this 15 different times. And then how many times I'm having to be reminded of the truth in Scripture and thankfully having the Spirit of God and the writers of Scripture that are constantly putting me in remembrance of the stuff that I've already been told multiple Mm -hmm. times and yet am so prone to forget because we get focused on so much other stuff that it's not malicious or intentional. We literally just forget God or forget what we're supposed to be doing, and we have to intentionally remember. Well, the third reason that I think he's pressing this is that he knows his time is not forever. And and maybe it's another way of saying the first thing, but maybe the emphasis is a little different. He knows that his time is not forever. He says, you know, I've, I know I've got to put off this tabernacle. The Lord said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be passing away. I'm not going to be here forever. But he wants them to be grown-up believers who know how to pursue the knowledge of God themselves. So not only is he wanting them to be introduced into this this way, but he wants them to know how to keep going in it and not be babes in Christ. Again, going back to 1 Peter chapter 2, and verse 2, he said, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. But it doesn't stop there. It says that ye may grow thereby. And Peter's really wanting these, these Christians to not only be babes that, that desire the milk of the word, that's a great thing, but that they're learning how to grow by this. And so that brings us to the whole concept of adding to our faith. Now, those are the three reasons I believe Peter is so emphatic in pressing this. But as we close this thing out, I think there are three things in the closing um, that we can kind of take away as a, as a kind of a wrapping up sort of exhortation as we go out the door. And I, I, three words I wrote down, incentive, instruction, and intention. So let me break that down. First of all, he is giving us incentive to keep adding in verse number 8. He says, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. Another way of saying that, Peter says, if you'll do this, if you'll add to your faith, if you'll keep growing, you won't be useless. You won't be useless to the kingdom. You won't be useless to the gospel. You won't be useless to your church. You won't be useless to your family. You won't be useless to your coworkers. But you're going to become a productive, valuable person to have around. Mm-hmm. You know, you can overlook a whole lot of stuff in an employee if that is that employee is a producer. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, there's some things can't be overlooked. But let's just say that, you know, they're not the – I mean, I've worked with people before that – kind of grumpy you know I'm thinking of some guys that I worked with when I was a young man a teenager and and into my early adult years and I'm thinking of some guys that worked at the place that my dad you know worked his whole life in and man they were grumpy they were grouches you you just you walk by them you don't know what you're going to get but they were the best workers in the place 
And, I mean, when it came down to what needed to be done and having knowledge of what needed to be done, you go to them because they know. And they were usually glad to share and help with that. And, and, and I'm just making the point that, that we want to be the kind of person that people want us around because we, we have something to offer. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't want to be continuous grumps either. And I think as we grow in the Lord, we're growing in graciousness and kindness, right? It's part of it, that godliness part. But anyway, that, that's one of the things. There's incentive there to keep adding because it's going to make you a fruitful person for the kingdom. Yeah, because again, nobody wants to come to their end of their life and have contributed nothing or been a leech their whole entire life. You know, I think we hide behind that mask and we we have like a false humility of, well, I just don't have much to offer, so I'm just going to stay out of the way and I'm just going to stand in the shadows. But really, what's that? What that's doing is it is revealing the craving that we have to man. I really wish I could contribute. Mm-hmm. I really want to be able to step up and and be productive and and be valuable. Peter's given us the tools of this is how you're valuable, regardless of your quote unquote perceived talents or abilities. This is what enables you to come to the church, to the community, to your life, and have something to offer. So if you want it, keep adding. That's the point. Now, secondly, is the word instruction, and he's also giving us instruction on adding here. And so if we say, yep, I, I get it. I need to keep adding to my faith and growing in this. Well, here's the last piece of instruction on that. He says, if these things be in you and abound. Now, what that means is, Peter is saying, if you have these qualities of the divine nature and they are increasing in measure over time. So think about that. We've, we've, we've been discussing, this is all about a process of becoming. So it's not that you look at yourself and say, well, I don't have that, or I'm not like them, or I, you know, I haven't reached this certain level. The instruction on adding is, just let these things be in you and let them keep increasing. Just keep growing. And then thirdly, the third word that I wrote down is intention. So we've got the incentive to keep adding, the instruction on how to keep adding, but here's some in, in, here's some intention on basically the reason or the goal for adding, and that's the end of verse 8, simply in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love that Peter brings that back because we don't want to forget that. That's what it is about. We're going to talk in just a moment about spiritual disciplines, but you know, spiritual disciplines are not about, they're not the end in themselves. So I, I don't I don't go to church just so, so I can say I go to church. I don't read my Bible just so I can say I'm a Bible reader. And we don't pursue this stuff just to say, yep, I do that. I'm that kind of, I'm a grower. I'm an adder, <laughs> right? We, what do we do? We're, we're doing it so that we're increasing in the knowledge of Jesus. And we've tried to establish not increasing in facts, not in knowing the facts about Jesus, but in getting to know Jesus, intimate experiential knowledge. There's life with, between me and, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's the incentive or the goal that we're after as we do these things. Now, I said, this is where the spiritual practices come into play, the spiritual disciplines. To, to borrow your coined phrase, the practices that make progress, right? Which could be a subtitle to this whole discussion. Now, I was thinking about that. I mentioned our Way of Holiness conference is coming up and... Our theme for the Way of Holiness Conference is slow your pace, shrink your world, shepherd your heart. And I was thinking about that this morning 
And I thought, what's working for me right now? If someone were to ask me, hey, in, in terms of, um, of this whole thing of Second Peter 1, you, you know, you've been teaching on this, what's helping you add to your faith? What's helping you add to your virtue and to your knowledge and your temperance and your patience and all? What's helping you? And, and in terms of spiritual disciplines, what's really making a difference right now? And as I thought about that, I started writing some things down. You know, we, we talk about this a lot, but I came up with a list of five things. And it, this, is, this is great for the teachers out there. They all start with an M. I mean, I'm on an alliteration roll today. Sure are. Yeah. S's, I's, M's. Did I have S's too? Well, S's is what led us all throughout the the different adding to your things. Oh, yeah. 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 Hadn't said that lately, but rewind and look it up. But yeah, so I, I wrote down five things. You know, what's helping me? And and I'll pose the question to you too. Once I share these, I'll just share them quickly. But if I'm if I share what was helping me right now, what's working in my life? to help me add to my faith and so forth. First thing I wrote down, morning prayer. And that's number one. That is hands down number one. There is nothing else I would say that comes close to that. Now, to the person listening who says, well, okay, that sounds right, but I don't get it. Because morning prayer doesn't work very well for me. It's probably just a lack of understanding what your morning prayer should be. If And I know we've said these things before, but if you if you're sitting down in your favorite chair, and your morning prayer consists of pulling out a prayer list or trying to think really hard of all the people and problems you should be praying about and then reading a chapter of your Bible, I'm pretty sure you're not getting a lot out of mm-hmm. that. Matter of fact, if you're in your nice, comfortable chair, you, you might even find yourself waking up a lot. Yeah. And so this discouragement sets in. But I would tell you, if you learn to do morning prayer the right way, and, and we don't have time to unpack all that now, it is, without doubt, the most important thing. It sets up the day. Yeah, and I think with me on that, what I have learned and have, have tried to apply more is not to rush into talking. I caught myself even doing that earlier in one of our prayer times here at the church. But it's like, oh, hey, it's prayer time, and so I'm getting right into prayer, and I find myself talking, and, and I had to stop and say, wow, hold on a minute. I don't need to talk right now. Right now, I just need to settle in and listen. And in our morning prayer, that's what we're doing. We're just, we're starting our day, and we're settling into our focus on God. Not to rush straight to conversation and prayers and supplications and intercessions and all that kind of stuff, but just to be with God and to start our day with Him is is a truly wonderful thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yes, slowing down. Well, that's slow your pace right Mm -hmm. there. Secondly, I wrote down meditation, meditation on Scripture and on teaching. And what I mean by that is is taking verses or the passage that I read and that I, I got some help out of, you know, in that morning prayer, and thinking on that throughout the day. A lot of times it turns into doing things like this, where I'm meditating on this for now two and a half weeks mm-hmm. from a morning prayer time. And then meditating on teaching. You know, I have certain people that I listen to, again, as a pastor, you're primarily the one doing most of the preaching and teaching in the church on a given service. But I, too, need to be taught. I, too, need to listen. And so I have men that I listen to, and I will meditate on the things that they have taught and that I've heard. And I, that's been a very helpful practice in my life. Number three, ministering to others. That's a big one. And, and as I was thinking on this, it came pretty quickly. When I think about not only the work of serving in the church and serving the people through teaching or through praying with people or counseling, but then just making visits, you know, visiting people in the hospital, in their home. Don't do enough of that. But I tell you, I try to be in the places where I really feel like there's a 
a call and an urge and a need to be, and it's always helpful. It, I'm, I'm saying it helps me. Now, I, I hope it's helping them, but it helps me mm-hmm. to be there. This is working in my life to, to grow and add to my faith and you know, ministering through outreach in the community, all those things. Number four, I wrote down music, music that leads into worship. And so that is a big thing. And I think I said this in the church not too awful long ago, but I found or came to a place where I realized I wasn't listening to music and, 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 and worship music as much as I had been in the past because I had got so deeply involved in learning and meditation and studying the Word of God and seeking that knowledge. But that's an element we can't, not, we can't overlook and we can't leave it. And just bringing that back into, and I mean, I, I know some people that when they got their radio on in the car, they're listening to gospel music or whatever. So they're getting like, you know, an hour of it a day. I may not get that much, but even if I get 10 minutes of it on a drive, like I decide that today driving from, you know, the church to the house, I'm going to listen to worship music. That 10 minutes added back into my life has been very helpful. Sure. And I'd ask you this, because I think a lot of people that, well, yeah, I listen to gospel music all the time in the car. There's a difference in listening to it and having it on as background noise. Mm-hmm. You know, your mind's focused on here, there, and yonder. You're having a phone, or you're on the phone with somebody, and the music's playing, or you've got somebody in the car. There's a difference in having it on as background noise. That's, I guess there's probably some value in that, but it's different to listen to it on purpose and to be actively engaged in listening and allowing your heart and mind to be drawn into worship as well. Which we should also add to that. There's also a difference in Christian music and worship music. Yes, there's a lot of Christian music that really will not draw you into worship. It is only good for background noise, frankly. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't stir our heart to a love of Christ, to the wonder of God. It's got a rhythm, and it's got rhyme, and that's all it's got. Yep. And it, it won't help you. So you got to be discerning about that. Uh, the fifth thing I wrote down was maintenance. And here's what I mean by that. Maintaining consistency in all the above. And I've found that inconsistency is such a problem in people's lives, no matter what disciplines we're talking about. Now, for me, for example, I don't do good with maintenance on, like, material stuff. You know, my, my, my car may need an oil change, and it might have needed it 2,000 miles ago. <laughs> I'm going to get there, you know. I'm bad about that. Like, you know, my lawnmower. My lawnmower needs an oil change, or my lawnmower's had. My lawnmower recently had a flat tire. Well, it had a flat tire all last season. I would just pump it up, and it would go for a couple more weeks. It got worse, and I put a can of fix a flat in it. Well, you know what? It finally got so bad, the tire <laughs> came off the wheel, and I had to fix it. Yeah. I'm not real good at some of that, and I admit it. But when it comes to my soul, and it's all by grace, but I thank the Lord for helping me develop the routine maintenance in my life. And it has to be routine, and it also has to be responsive because the routine's really good, but sometimes certain things will cause you to have an extra, like this greater need, like in the moment, and you have to learn how to slip away out of things and and deal with what's needed in our heart in that time. So those are things that are working for me. And again, the reason we bring those up, all those practices are what help us to do this adding to our faith. Now, I'll tell you this. We're out of time. If you take verse 9, 10, and 11, and just, just take a note. If you're a listener and you can write this down, just take a note. I, I would like you to look at this yourself. Notice how I gave incentive, instruction, and in, intention. But notice how verse 9 matches incentive. Notice how verse 10 will go along with the instruction. 
And notice how verse 11 will go along with the intention. And he fleshes all that out a little better. Wish I had time to deal with it, but I know we're out of time. So that's your homework, dear listener. And uh, we'll see you next time. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.